Amen, and good morning to all of you. You know, the Christmas service is always inspiring, very, very inspiring. You come in and the kids are singing. That always puts us in a good mood, doesn't it? Most people are nice <laughs> and friendly. You know, they exchange good, warm, sincere hugs. You know, there's a brother who hugged me last week, and he just kind of gave me one of those, hey, bro, you know, happy Sunday to you too, right? <laughs> and this week it was one of those, oh, it's good to meet you, good to see you. I can't wait to see what you buy me for Christmas. It was, it was just a different kind of a hug. It stirs up fond memories and associations for us this time of the year. It's a time of hope, is it not? And we come in and we're excited about what is to come in this season. You know, there are many things that we place our hope in these days. topic that hope was born this night, and I hope by the time that we're done this morning, you really understand the depth of what that means. Because we place our hope in many things. I call it misplaced hope myself. Because we put our hope in relationships, many of us. We're hoping that that person that we find in life will fulfill us. And some of us, we have placed our hope in modern-day conveniences or what I call pacifiers. And they're not all bad. Placing our hope in a relationship isn't bad. I love my wife. I have a lot of hope in her. I put my hope in my kids, and many of you guys shared that with me. We put our hope there. Some of you are hoping to find that boyfriend or that girlfriend or that spouse. Some of you are hoping to find a better spouse. But, hey, we may need to talk after the message is over. <laughs> Some of us, we place our hope in homes and the neighborhoods we live in. And I, I always think back to uh, dreaming about having that home. And my wife and I, we bought this beautiful home. In my eyes, it was beautiful. And... We moved in, and we, my wife decorated it. It was so lovely. And then all of a sudden, we invited that couple. Now, I'm feeling a little insecure. My wife is anxious, wondering if they're going to enjoy our home. We put our hopes in things that are not fulfilling. Some of us put hopes in toys and vehicles. And, you know, there's a few of my friends. I won't call any names because Kenneth, this doesn't apply to him. But <laughs> some of my friends bathe their cars more than they bathe their children. Because that's where their hope is. And then we have new places we put our hope these days. As you see on the screen, we have these social, social media outlets that are vying for our time. And I wish I could put you on the spot right now to figure out how many of you check to see if you had something in your Facebook account or Twitter account when you saw the icons. I just lost half the room when that, when, that, when that slide came up. But because we put our hope in how many likes we can get, how many followers, how many friends we have, how many people are digging what we're posting. And it gives you encouragement, doesn't it? I mean, really, I'm not saying they're not all bad. I mean, some of you guys, you post what's going on in life, and people are able to encourage you from afar. You wouldn't have been able to have that encouragement because they don't live close enough. But they can encourage you from afar. They're not all bad. And then I can't leave out my 
gadget guys and gals. Right? You put your hope in that new Android device. Put your hope in being the guy with the latest technology so you can show it off to everyone. I was taught to put my hope in education. And those in a generation just before me, that was the thing we put our hope in. Education, money, so many other things. But I ask you this morning, what have you put your hope in? Because we want to make sure it's in the right things, right? You know, I have to give all credit. You know, the evidence of a, a great author is that he gives credit. Well, it's due. I have to give credit this morning to the message that we're going to share together. It came from Ted Snow. He shared his quiet time with me. And it impacted me so much that it's the inspiration for our communion thoughts today. So, Ted, thank you very much. Uh, if you guys enjoy what I say, please come up, give me that feedback uh, after the message. If you don't like it, let Ted know it wasn't that good. <laughs> but we, have, uh, we find a story of hope in Mark chapter 5. If you would turn with me there to Mark chapter 5. And I call it Hope Reborn. And so it starts off in verse 1. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot off of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Jesus calls out the impure spirit. But this guy was in bad shape. This guy was tormented. His life was a mess. He's living in tombs among dead people. Think about how bad you have to be to find company with those that are dead. This is where he found comfort. He was that crazy guy in the neighborhood. Some of you guys lived in those type neighborhoods. I know I did. The guy that just walked down the street talking out loud. Just walked down the street, just talking. It's like, who is he talking to? And he's having a full conversation. And he's just, I'm never. And my mom taught me. My mom's right here on the front row. Praise God for her. My mom taught me just go on the other side of the street when you see a guy like that coming. But he's the crazy guy in the neighborhood, yelling at the top of his voice, out on the hillside, disturbing his neighbor. No wonder he didn't have any friends. He was suicidal. The guy was in bad shape. Before, 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 we distance ourselves from him too much. Let's consider whether we ourselves have some impure spirits. You know, because I could think of some of my impure motives, seeking acceptance and approval of others, wanting to be popular. Right, teens? We want to be 
popular. Think about some of my impure intentions. And this probably only relates to me. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that. But as oftentimes I have impure intentions wanting to look good in the eyes of others. A certain vanity. You know, this morning I put on my best suit so that if you weren't impressed with what I said, you might be impressed with how I look. <laughs> impure intentions, impure deeds, some of us can be controlled by the lust of our eyes and, and even worse, traits of immorality and stealing, lying, deceitful living. Some of us, catch this one, just have impure outlooks. Impure outlooks, self-hatred, manifesting in low self-esteem, insecurities, arrogance even, and even suicidal tendencies as we find with the demon-possessed man. Jesus saw the man, and he saw the impure spirit. I hope you guys caught that. He looked at one person, but he saw two completely different beings. He saw the human being, and then he saw the impure, evil, spiritual being that was influencing the human. God, give us your eyes. How many marriages could be changed if we understood that point? How many parent-child relationships could be reconciled? How many of us will launch ourselves into the streets of serving the community if we understood how to see the difference between the human being and that which is affecting that human? Jesus removed the impure spirit for this man. And he can do the same for you. And some of you are wondering, well, how can you be so certain, Mike? How do you know? Because I share from experience. It's something he did for me. Some of you know my story. I'll recap it. I was a young college student, decided to change my life and serve God. I was sincere. I was earnest. I really wanted to be different. And so I began studying the Bible with some of the brothers from the church, and, and they began to help me. I had already been reading the Bible every day for about a year, but my life hadn't changed completely. You know why? Because I had an impure spirit that was still tormenting me. And I sat down, I studied the Bible, and I was ready to commit. But right as I was going to make that commitment, and it was time to become a disciple and get baptized, and I said, I can't do it. I don't think I can live this way. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And the reason why was because I had this spirit through which I filtered everything in life. Everyone I looked at, everything I thought about, it controlled me. It dominated my thoughts. I was empowered by it. And I thought, I will be a hypocrite. I'm going to fail. And for three days, I avoided the guys I was studying the Bible with. For three days, I ran. For three days, I prayed. For three days, I hoped. For three days, I feared. For three days, I cowered. For three days, for three days, for three days, it tormented me, this stronghold that it had on me. And one night, I lay 
in my bed, crying streams of tears because I wanted to change, but I did not believe that I could. And I laid there that night and I prayed. I said, God, if you will take this spirit away from me, I will serve you faithfully for the rest of my life. Must have been a pretty intense prayer. I don't remember what happened after that. Must have fallen asleep or something. But I woke up the next day and my entire life was different. I was a college student on a college campus. I saw the world completely differently. I had no interest in that which entangled me the day before. Complete change. It was not me. It was something that took it away from me. Jesus took the impure spirit away. And many of us, as we sit here today, we're struggling and wrestling with something we were struggling and wrestling with last year. And we don't believe we can be different. We don't believe we can change. So in Galatians 5, so I say to you, live by the Holy Spirit's power. Then when you will be able, you will, then you will not do what your desires controlled by sin want you to do. The desires controlled by sin do not want what the Spirit delights in. And the Spirit does not want what the desires controlled by sin delight in. The two are at war with each other. That's why you're not supposed to do whatever you want. you got to understand that there's a spiritual battle waging for all of us. We've often talked about that angel on the right shoulder, demon on the left. That is real. Okay? And so we have in every moment of our lives the decision to choose whether we follow good or evil, the sinful nature or the spirit. And we have the power to choose. That's something that many of us today don't believe. You can't be powered by the sinful nature. You are not. You have the power to choose. Free will. God has given it to us. We must use it and exercise it in this way. Amen? Jesus continues this conversation with the impure spirit. In Mark chapter 5, in verse 9, he says, Then Jesus asked him. This is the fun part, guys. The last part, which is build up. This is the point of the message. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. I often wonder how he said that. You know, you, you kind of got to make the Bible come alive a little bit. How did he say that? He's a demon. I mean, he didn't just say, hey, my, my name is Legion. <laughs> Follow me now. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. 
and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to, to, to leave their region. Why did they do that? This guy had the power. Why were they afraid? I've often wondered about that, and that's probably a totally different sermon and message. But don't you wonder, why did they urge Jesus to leave? Why didn't they welcome him? Come have dinner with me. They didn't understand what the Spirit had done. Think about this. 2,000 pigs were lost in that moment. This is what that countryside, that town used to produce their livelihood. All they were thinking about was that which fed the kids. All they were thinking about was their hope was in. Many of us today, we sit in our seats looking so good with your nice three-piece suit on. And your hope is in pigs. Your hope is in your home. It's in your car. Your hope is in what your kids are going to do that you couldn't do. Come on, guys. There's so much more to life. Your hope is in some relationship. Those things are good, but they're not the best. <laughs> this is my favorite part. They missed the most important thing. They missed the main point. I hope we don't miss it this morning. God and his son were willing to negotiate with demons. They had compassion even for the demons. Did you get that? They had compassion for the crazy, out-of-control, demon-possessed man. If God had compassion on them, what will he do for you and for me? See, God is demonstrating to what extent he will go to have a relationship with you and to save you. Many of us, we feel like we're too far from God. We're too far gone in our sin. We're unworthy. But this morning's message is no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, none of us are unlovable in his eyes. This is the hope of the Christmas story. This is it. That God, sovereign love, is demonstrated for us because he knew that each of us needed a Savior. So he came down here himself 
to make sure it was done right, to make sure there wouldn't be any misunderstandings, to make sure you got exactly what you needed, to make sure you would be completely saved, to make sure that you understood his love, to make sure that he understood, he conveyed it clearly that even on a demon, he has compassion. What will he do for you? As we prepare for our Christmas holiday plans, and as we prepare right now this morning to take communion, we pick up in our text in Mark chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much The Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This is what the Christmas story is about. It's about us understanding how much the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. He sent his son. He wants to have mercy on you right now. He wants to cleanse your conscience right now. He wants to remove that barrier to progress right now. It's your choice. Yes, hope was born that night. And hope still exists for all of us. Can we take it in this morning together? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you had a plan for us even when we didn't have a plan for ourselves. God, help us to know that your spirit is powerful. Your spirit is willing. Your spirit more than desires to change us, to reconcile us, to, God, give us a new life, a renewed vision, a renewed hope. We also understand that there is an enemy that is waging war against us, that is warring for us as well. God, help us to be steadfast and unmovable. Help us to be intentional in building up the spirit man, the spirit woman inside of us. Father, we thank you so much for this grace that you have lavished out upon us. We thank you for the mercy that you give us. We thank you that you have a plan for us. And Lord, right now as we take communion, we celebrate what your son has already done. God, we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the renewed hope. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.